0: Definitely when I was a teenager, it was all about traveling and embracing the sport. But as I got to my senior year of high school, I was like, wow, I really have to just focus on being the best. It became my job. By the time I was in college, I was a professional athlete. And then once I graduated college, I was a pro athlete. Where strength and conditioning, nutritionist, sports psychologist. So going through that routine year in, year out. Really, just grinding to get a little better than the previous year.
1: That was Keith Smart. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Marnie on the Move podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Hope your 2019 is off to a great start. It's our one year anniversary. Time really does fly when you're having fun. This podcast has been a true labor of love for me over the past year. And I'm just so grateful for you, my listeners, and all of the wonderful feedback you direct message and email me along with your wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts. Before I get started with today's incredibly inspiring guest and episode, I wanted to let you know about some upcoming events. To celebrate the one year anniversary of the Marnie on the Move podcast, and to help you set your wellness intentions in motion, we are bringing the podcast to life in a live series and mobile summit in partnership with Chelsea Pierce Fitness and Talent House. The summit will take place over three days It will be a series of talks, workshops, and workouts showcasing existing and upcoming podcast guests. You can get tickets and additional information about the event on our website at marnionthemove.com slash events. But here are some of the highlights. Join me for a sound bath and vibrational wellness chat with Glendy Young on January 15th at Chelsea Piers Fitness Chelsea or on the 19th of January for a human design intro and workshop with Stephen Rebleto or a fitness and finance goal-setting talk with Olympic silver medalist Keith Smart and Merrill Lynch advisor Emily Barb at Chelsea Pierce Fitness Brooklyn. We're also hosting a vinyasa yoga class on the same day. And on January 23rd, Join me for a conversation on creative entrepreneurship with guests, hinted founder and former Self Magazine editor in chief, Lucy Danziger, and the Gramlist founder and former creative director of Stylecaster, Brandon Perlman. This event is the launch of a new series we are doing in collaboration with Talent House at WeWork. Again, head over to our website to get additional details and to get tickets. I just wanted to also say thank you to our partners, Talent House, Chelsea Pierce Fitness, Navitas, Four Sigmatic, Core Nutrition, Fresh & Co, and White Claw. We're super excited about this event and series and we hope you can join us. Okay, on to the episode. At the young age of 11, Keith Smart was fencing for fun. He also played tennis and lots of other team sports like most children his age. However, unlike everyone else, Keith had some serious fencing skills and very forward-thinking parents. By the time he knew it, he was on track for a college scholarship. He got that scholarship and later became the first U.S. fencer to rank number one in the world, a three-time Olympian and USA Olympic silver medalist in 2008 at age 30. He then went on to get his MBA at Columbia Business School, founded a fitness technology company, is a proud dad and husband, and is now the regional general manager at Chelsea Piers Fitness. Keith and I talk about where his athletic journey began, how being athletic and involved in sports set him up for success, his career and next steps at Chelsea Piers Fitness, and the workouts that fuel him for success. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media at Marnie on the Move to check out our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, And leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast platform. We are here in Brooklyn at Chelsea Pierce Fitness with Keith Smart in this beautiful gym and very cool neighborhood, which is where you grew up, right, Keith?
0: So I grew up probably about two and a half miles away from here and literally went to high school Uh, Half a mile away at Brooklyn Tech. Yeah, so I've really witnessed this whole area of downtown Brooklyn transform over the years. This area where we are in, um, where Chelsea Pierce Fitness Brooklyn is, this Mm -hmm. was a parking lot. And it was pretty desolate uh, after hours. And the foot traffic has increased a lot. It's, you know, it's definitely has that more of commercial vibe than what downtown Brooklyn once was, you know, you had all these weird groups of people like kind of converging because of Macy's and and shopping at the old Albee Square Mall. Now it's, I like it. You know, people try to romanticize what Brooklyn used to be like and I'm like what are you talking about
1: right it was there was nothing (laughs) romantic about this neighborhood yeah
0: exactly yeah I I lived through that it was not fun
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I kind of grew up in New York I grew up outside on Long Island but my father owned a retail store on 14th Street in Union Square oh yeah New York City has changed so much So it was definitely a very, let's say, eclectic neighborhood that was kind of on the cusp of being safe and dangerous at any given moment. And now it's like... It's Disney World. It's interesting because I've had so many guests on the podcast that are from New York, like Eddie Stern. He grew up in the village. Oh my gosh. And now he's here in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Yoga Club. Yeah, of course. Speaking of growing up in Brooklyn, how did you get your start in athletics?
0: I came from a family where my parents were... Into sports. They weren't like hardcore athletes or anything by that nature, but they wanted to stay fit. And my dad worked for Sports Illustrated. So we were always exposed to articles and like different stories about different sports and so forth. So from a young age, I was doing lots of different things like baseball and basketball and football and track. And, you know, really, well, I played a lot of tennis with my parents and just really going through those practices with trying to get better each day in these sports.
1: And how old were you then?
0: My earliest memories are with my parents doing sports, so probably like five, six years old. Okay. And then I got into fencing because my dad saw an article that came across his desk of that fencing is a great sport to get your kids a college scholarship. So he was like, oh, this seems like a great idea. At the time, I was playing a lot of tennis and basketball. I was on that track for tennis to become pretty good in tennis. But he was like, yeah, fencing seems like better odds, blah, blah, blah. And it also happened to be an article about the greatest American fencer to start a fencing program called Peter Westbrook and the Peter Westbrook Foundation and how he was looking for children that just wanted to be introduced to the sport of fencing. It all worked out. And I, I was 11 years old at the time, so... My sister Erin and I, she's a year younger than me. We were the first couple of students to start at the Peter Westbrook Foundation.
1: And so that's where you got your start. How old were you when you won the silver medal in yeah. the Olympics?
0: I had just turned 30, but that was also my third Olympic Games. So I went I competed in 2000, 2004 and 2008. And in 1996, when I was in high school, I was selected to be a sparring partner for the U.S. team in atlanta so
1: when did you realize that you wanted to be a professional athlete i mean because you were a kid you know you were just having fun and then all of a sudden it turned serious
0: good question i think i realized i wanted to be a serious professional athlete probably like 13 or 14 years old i wasn't very good but i was like oh wow the people that i was training with they were traveling all over the world and they seemed to have like these glamorous lives I was like, how do I get to this point? And about 14 or 15, I really like started to buckle down and train really hard.
1: And did you at some point think it was more than just the traveling and it became more about the training and the sport?
0: Definitely when I was a teenager, it was all about traveling and, and embracing the sport. But as I got to my senior year of high school, I was like, wow, I really have to just focus on being The best. It became my job. By the time I was in college, I was a professional athlete. And then once I graduated college, I was a pro athlete. Where strength and conditioning, like nutritionist, sports psychologist. So going through that routine year in, year out, really just grinding to get a little better than the previous year.
1: What do you enjoy most about fencing?
0: I love competing, and I love seeing the incremental progress. I'll be the first to admit I'm not the strongest or the fastest or probably the most talented ever fencer, but I was definitely one of the hardest workers. And I really love that process of just working hard and trying to get a little bit better each day. And it's really tough to see those improvements. It kind of comes together after a few years. Mm -hmm. And and I like that, like, oh, man, you know, I'm just like a a tenth of a second faster than I was last month. And how cool is that?
1: I mean, I guess when you're a kid, you don't even really think about it. It's not something that in your mind, you're just you're doing what you love. You're doing your sport, you're training and then you have to focus and it becomes a job. So what is it like in that moment when you go from playing a sport and having fun to realizing that this could be your future and you could get a scholarship for real Mm -hmm. and you could, beyond the scholarship, end up becoming an Olympic athlete and then you ended up You became the first American to rank number one in the world. (laughs) When you were that age, like, could you even comprehend what was happening? Not at all.
0: Not at all. Especially in my neighborhood. Like, it was a big deal growing up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, to say you went to Manhattan. First, I was going to Manhattan to train. And then by the time I was like a young teenager, I started traveling to California and stuff like that. And it was mind-blowing to my friends. And then all of a sudden... I guess when I was 16 or 17, started my senior year, I really got kind of pulled onto that professional track of Mm -hmm. athlete. And I realized that this is something I really had to focus. And I remember this very vividly. My coaches were like, yeah, it's great you're in high school and so forth. But you really got to understand you're not a typical high school student. We have a game plan and a, a mission and a vision for you. So if you have to be willing to make these sacrifices... Don't think about going to the prom. Don't think about participating in school parties. Practice first, practice always, and never miss practice. And that was my high school life was work out, go to school, do homework, sleep, rinse and repeat.
1: What was your nutrition like? Casually, it wasn't, I had a
0: really high metabolism at the time. But I was really focused more on working out, culminating in like three and a half to four and a half hours of physical hard physical activity every day.
1: Where did you train when you were training?
0: I trained in a few locations. I, was, I would come to Chelsea vs. Fitness, Chelsea, the old sports center. I had personal trainers. I was also going to like this place called the U.S. Athletic Training Center. In high school, I was also going up to Columbia University, training with the college team while I was in high school. My primary club was the Fencers Club. So I was a bit of a gypsy in the city. And I would also go to the New York Athletic Club. And wherever I, my parents didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have all the sponsors I would have later on. In life, wherever we're personal trainers and coaches would offer me free lessons and free workouts and training, I would meet them.
1: And your sister is also an athlete. She
0: is. She's also a three time Olympic fencer with a silver medal. Her and I kind of moved lockstep in our careers.
1: And are you still really close?
0: We are. Yeah, we're really close, really involved in fencing still. It's really been a dream come true for our family to see how far we've both gone.
1: Do you ever think, oh, this is something I want to get my kids involved in as well?
0: Definitely, I definitely want my children to do sports. Fencing? No. <laughs> but I definitely want them to do sports where they really understand it's a microcosm of life. So you could work really hard and still lose. And it just could be unexplainable. And you have to be willing to brush your shoulders off and understand this is part of life. Life is not fair. And I think you learn that very quickly or at least at an earlier age than most when you do sports at a high level. So having major tournament losses and feeling that pressure and the satisfaction of like working really hard and seeing the results come from that, I think helps with athletes. The one caveat I would say is for my children personally, I, I don't think they should do fencing because I think it would just be way too much pressure. Mm -hmm. I think fencing is a great sport for 95% of the children in America because of the discipline, the focus. It rewards people that work the hardest, not necessarily those that are the tallest or the strongest. Because of what I've achieved in the sport, I think it would be really, really hard for them to advance. So I'm introducing them to other sports where they can have... I could see that. Yeah.
1: You've competed in the Olympics three times in Athens, in Beijing and Sydney. What did you enjoy about each event and what are some key takeaways that you have to share? So
0: Sydney, I loved how passionate the Australians were about sports. They had their little chair of Aussie, Aussie, Oi! Athens I love the honestly the weather they weren't like ready in time or anything like that Mm -hmm. it was like (laughs) 95 degrees the whole time so it kind of made it cool the post event parties every Mm -hmm. night because it was so hot were like epic and then that was the games where most of my friends qualified for that I, I had grew up with
1: were most of your friends athletes?
0: Yeah. Like after my coach had that talk with me in high school about getting focused about the company you keep, I kind of became really judicious. And most of my friends were on a similar athletic track. I'm still very close with my high school friends, but I didn't really build really strong bonds with my college friends because I was just really focused on just, I was on the road a lot and working with other professional athletes. Right. And then Beijing, they spared no expense. So it was just mind blowing. The Chinese literally just built the games out of the dust. And have you
1: amazing. been back at all to any of those places?
0: I have been back to Athens several times. Did not no to Australia and yes to China.
1: I know that fencing is a sport that has fueled you for success from a very young age. Is it something that you still do?
0: No, I haven't fenced in over a year maybe a year and a half. I've just been pretty busy working with Chelsea Pierce Fitness. Once I started working here, I kind of stopped fencing and I miss it. I miss the uh, pushing myself, trying to get better, the camaraderie. It was also something where I don't enjoy like just fencing for fun. I would want to fence and like really be able to beat or uh, hang with the top guys. Coming in once every two or three weeks doesn't do it for me.
1: So what does? What sport are you doing these days, if any?
0: I am not doing any sports. I'm working out. So I'm doing training like spin classes, hit workout classes, just general fitness. But I'm thinking about picking up tennis because my daughter started playing tennis and I used to play a lot until I focused on fencing
1: do you feel like there are some similarities between tennis and fencing?
0: Completely. I think tennis is a really good analogy for fencers and the movement, the discipline, the individualism. I love it.
1: You love it. Are you going to play tennis in Brooklyn somewhere? Or We are. We're-
0: she takes lessons at the Prospect Park Parade Grounds. So she trains there twice a week. How old is she? Six. Six. Yes. So I like watching her practices and so forth. So I think for me, I used to play there as well as a kid. Oh, wow. And, that's so cool. Yeah. And so when I had to make that decision of fencing or tennis, my friend I started playing tennis with, you know, they went on to get college scholarships and so forth. So, in tennis. In tennis. It's always been something in the back of my head. of like, oh, wow. I wonder how far I could have gone with this.
1: Yeah. So that's <laughs> the sport. If you could have picked another sport to compete in in the Olympics, tennis would have been the sport.
0: Tennis and then track and field.
1: Track and field. Yeah. Oh.
0: I think my body type would have been geared for the triple jump or the high jump, one of those activities.
1: Was there ever a point in time where you considered switching sports after winning the silver medal in fencing at the Olympics? I know one of our podcast guests, Gwen Jorgensen, switched from triathlon to running after winning the gold medal in triathlon. Just wondering.
0: I know. She's so inspiring. I think for me, it would have to be a comp to fencing and the closest would have been tennis. And I would have had to really had stayed active in training for tennis.
1: So you weren't in college while you were fencing. You finished your career fencing and then you went on to get your MBA or you got your MBA while you were...
0: I went to St. John's on a full fencing scholarship. So
1: you did, I was going to say, did you end up getting your fencing scholarship? I did, I
0: did, yeah. And that's when I realized it was a business. I'll never forget this. I stepped in for freshman orientation And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, athletes over here, regular freshmen over there. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay." And I had gone in with a dual degree major of physics and electrical engineering. And they were like, no, athletes don't take those majors. You got to change it up because you have weight room practice and you have this practice and study all and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I had more really discipline to their credit. They were like, look, you're here to win championships and so forth. So I was like, all right got it.
1: <laughs> so you weren't able to really pursue anything else that you wanted to learn or get a degree in anything else. Like you had to be because they were paying for you to be there.
0: Essentially, which is, I understood my job. Right. Crystal Claire. When I graduated, because of that, I had this great foundation of experience. I was able to quickly become a professional athlete after graduating. And then it was After my second Olympic Games in Athens, when I was like, oh my God, I have to make a decision of what I want to do. I said Beijing was going to be my last Games. And then I applied to business school at the same time. So after the Games, Mm -hmm. I started business school like a week later.
1: And you went to Columbia.
0: I went to Columbia full time. And so I retired. Like everyone in the U.S. Olympic Committee thought I was crazy because I retired from like competing, everybody in the fencing community and the U.S. Olympic Committee thought I was crazy because I was number two in the world at all these sponsors. And I was like, no, nope, I'm going to go to business school.
1: Because you can't be an athlete forever. Right. I mean, you can be an athlete for a long time. I wonder, you know, if all athletes really think that way, though. I mean, like business, you're in it and you're building it. And then you have to be so forward thinking to plan your next 10, 20 years because it doesn't last forever.
0: Exactly. And that's something that I had saw with a lot of my teammates that were older than me. They had a really tough time transitioning when their body started to give out. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want this to happen to me. And I was like, I I better be fully prepared. And it's a big problem across all sports. And I actually, after I retired, I got involved with the International Olympic Committee, helping athletes make the transition from across the world from being an athlete or professional athlete to what's next and figuring that out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that I have had in my career, a lot of athletes come to me with books that they're launching or apps that they're starting or just like reinventing. So you went to Columbia, Mm -hmm. got your MBA, and then you worked at Google.
0: Yes. So I worked at Google briefly, wanted to see what it was like living out in California. So I went out there, hung out, For a few months, it wasn't for me, and I'm an East Coast person, and it it was a little my thing that I I will say about Google (laughs) (laughs) when I work was uh, it drove me crazy. They would play ping pong every day at four o'clock.
1: Ping pong, nice sounds just like we work back in the day. How did athleticism prepare you for the business world and entrepreneurship? Because I know you also started your own company.
0: I think what it taught me was. You know, not being afraid to ask for help. Being re- Oh, that's
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: so the best athletes in the world also are the ones that always ask for help. And there's tons of videos of LeBron James or whomever. You could see them getting coaching from other talented coaches or whatever. But they're like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. All these people really, they have really good coaches. So what I took from my experience as an athlete was, you know, my greatest success was when I had like a really good team around me, pushing me and not being afraid to admit that I didn't know what I didn't know. I think it, it prepared me for, I didn't have like all this hubris that a lot of other people might have. Uh-huh. I worked on Wall Street for a while after Google and the amount of arrogance, everybody thought they were kings of the world. So that was when I went into entrepreneurship. I realized, you know, I had all the tools from being an athlete. And then I was just always willing to raise my hand and say, look, I don't know. What do you think?
1: And so now tell me, what is the name of the company that you started? And tell me about the company that you started.
0: I started a fitness technology company called Physiclo. It's a patented technology that integrates resistance bands into active wear. So when you wear it, you burn 25% more calories. So instead of working out for one hour, you could get the same effect in 40 minutes. It's literally integrating resistance bands into clothing and you're working against the clothing. It was started by myself and a team of doctors and engineers from NYU. Uh And I just met them through networking and we hit it off. I understood the concept immediately of resistance bands because when I lived in Europe as an athlete, I thought all of the uh, gyms in Eastern Europe in particular were dumps. And so I would use resistance bands instead of using their weight machines.
1: Got it. it's so, no, so smart.
0: Yeah. So I would have all these resistance bands with me and just work out in a hotel ballroom versus going to some like decrepit, rusty old Ukrainian gym. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: so funny. And so that's how you came up with the concept mm-hmm. for your apparel. Yeah. Line.
0: So it's been going for about almost five years now. We've had a lot of success as well as a lot of challenges, like any startup We've won a lot of awards, but also dealt with a lot of setbacks. But that's also as an athlete, I knew that going in. I knew it was going to be a roller coaster ride. No one just goes straight to the top. So I was expecting pretty big losses emotionally and physically and financially. So,
1: yeah. And now, where are you in the spectrum of the company and the brand now?
0: So I am no longer involved on a daily basis. I realized it wasn't, there was too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. It was something where I pulled myself off. And when the opportunity to join Chelsea Pierce Fitness, it was a better fit for me just with a family, running a startup. I was living off of savings Mm -hmm. and saved a good chunk of money from working on Wall Street. So I pulled all of that down. And now I was like, all right, you know what? I've given it a really good shot for three years full time. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of where we got. And it's still going. But my partner who dropped out of med school, he's now operating it full time. And he, ironically, he just entered Columbia Business School.
1: That's amazing. I mean, that's such a an incredible learning. And thank you for sharing. I mean, it sounds like a really cool concept.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no, It's you still can buy... The clothing, physical.com, the issue I think where we made a mistake was the key issue was we thought it would be more attractive to be direct-to-consumer e-commerce. We made a bad strategy decision of cutting the margins to attract growth and assuming it would like attract all these investors. And we did get a lot of investors. At certain point, you have to keep feeding that beast. Otherwise, it dries up and we never could... And then going back to the whole e-commerce issue, our consumers or customers were anchored to the lower price point. So pulling them back up, literally it was like living a case study. And I'm still fascinated by that experience. I was very humbled by it. But it wasn't like the worst thing that ever happened to me. Most people were like, oh my God, Keith, how did you deal with it? And I was like, ah, you know.
1: It is what it is. It is
0: what it is. It's fascinating. And so
1: now it's full circle for you. Because when we started talking and when we started the podcast, you were saying how When you were a kid, you started your athletic training at Chelsea Piers and now we're at Chelsea Piers Fitness and you came on board last year to help them rebrand and to open up the new Brooklyn location. So talk to me a little bit about your role at Chelsea Piers.
0: Chelsea Piers started, gosh, in 1995 as part of the original spot on the West Side of Highway to relaunch the Meatpacking District in West Chelsea. There was really nothing over there 25 years ago. It was pretty much a desolate area of parking lots and abandoned cars and so forth. So when the owners of Chelsea Piers started it, it really was this huge, I like to say, part of the the revitalization of New York City in Mm -hmm. general. And over the years, it expanded into this sports megaplex with golf and gymnastics and hockey and then the fitness center or sports center has an indoor basketball courts, indoor track, swimming, yoga studios, spin studios. So everything you can want. Under and even beach volleyball. Any, and beach volleyball and, and rock climbing. Going back to the numbers, I saw the writing on the wall with my involvement in Physiclo. You know, I had stopped paying myself from the very beginning and knew I had to start making hard decisions with the other members of my team on salaries and stuff. So I started looking around and what other opportunities are there and what do I really want to do as a, my next role. And when I saw the opportunity that Chelsea Piers was looking to start a facility in Brooklyn of fitness-focused only, and it would be the largest club, it was just a business plan at the time, it instantly resonated with me. So I met the owners, we hit it off immediately. I started working literally a week and a half later, two weeks later, started working with, with the team. And I can say this wholeheartedly, it's the best job I've ever had. It marries all of my passions, entrepreneurship, having to build this whole experience, uh, thinking about all the details, everything with e-commerce and marketing and so forth, hiring, operations, uh, fitness. I'm really passionate about fitness. Brooklyn, I'm a Brooklynite uh, yeah. through and through. So just... Being able to talk to so many members about how Brooklyn has changed over the years. So we opened in June 2018, and it's been an amazing experience thus far. Because of how great of a job we've done here, Brooklyn, they asked me to oversee both locations recently. So now serving as the regional general manager of Chelsea Pierce Chelsea and Chelsea Pierce Fitness Brooklyn. You know, between the two locations, I like to say, We have two out of the five largest fitness clubs in New York City.
1: Yes. What was the thought process behind the rebranding of Chelsea Piers to Chelsea Piers Fitness?
0: Yeah. So the thought process of the rebranding of Chelsea Piers to Chelsea Piers Fitness was Chelsea Piers historically has been known as the athlete's gym. If you're a hardcore professional athlete, you go there. But we wanted to make it more approachable. The vast majority of people who are just passionate about fitness And maybe they don't want to go to the Olympics. Maybe they don't aspire to be with TV commercials, but they just want to be in great shape. So we've been really focused on building up all the different modalities that is inviting to all members of the community, the fitness community. So, yoga, spinning, our spin class is called Breakaway. Right. Yoga is evolved. So, evolve yoga personal training, strength, hit workouts. So we want people to just experience fitness, get hooked, and then maybe you want to go a little bit deeper within our training facilities. That's right. always an option now where you can take more work on a more structured team, full throttle triathlon or master swim or kettlebell club. Or in Brooklyn, you know, we have like run clubs. And we want it to be really just inviting for the vast majority of people versus being at known as this high-performance athletic training center.
1: I think you're doing a great job because the group fitness programming has been... Terrific. I was actually going to take a TRX class earlier today, but that didn't happen. (laughs) I need to work on my TRX. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's been great. I mean, I've noticed there's a lot of new members at the gym, at least at the gym in the city, because I'm always there, growing and expanding and bringing in the fitness and sort of opening it up to everyone and really bringing that awareness and adding the boutique fitness component and the great classes is definitely a game changer. I think it's a great... Fit for the gym? Are you guys going to open other gyms in other cities? Is that the plan? Can you talk about yeah, it? Yeah,
0: can't talk about it, but that it's definitely the plan to expand around more locations similar to the Chelsea Pierce Fitness Brooklyn. So, really focusing on creating the facilities that are great with group fitness programming. But if you're a professional athlete, like the Brooklyn Nets, they know they can work out here just as equally as our Park Slope Yoga Mom. And we have both happening at any given time. You can see pro athletes that are like boxers or professional swimmers or NBA players while sweating alongside your typical millennial that just moved to downtown Brooklyn or the yoga mom from Brooklyn Heights or whatever. So it's great.
1: Do you feel like the culture is different here than it is in the city or do you feel like it's the same?
0: It's definitely a slightly different culture in Brooklyn than in the city, just because in the city, it's a destination club. People are coming from all over New York City, five boroughs. Whereas in Brooklyn, the vast majority of the members live within 30-minute radius of the club. So they're literally, it's part of their routine to see their neighbors working out alongside them. You see a lot of different bonds happening, but... That's not to say we're working really hard to have more engaging events in Chelsea Yes, and doubling down on the events that we've been hosting in Brooklyn. So what's going to really set us apart is we want to be this great fitness facility but also offer great member events. So people really, we become their home away from home.
1: I think you're on track. Thank you. Awesome. This has been so great. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Do you have a philosophy or a strategy that kind of is your go-to for like everything, for like life, for career, for training? Is there one that crosses over all of those things?
0: Good question. I think for me, I don't have one per se strategy, but it's really how I like to live my life is treat everybody the same. That's been always a critical point for me. Is I used to see, especially when I was an athlete, guys that thought they were so big and, oh, look at me, I'm, all, I'm in Sports Illustrated or whatever, and they treat their younger teammates or helpers like crap. And right. I was like, why are you doing that? And then also, like I've always wanted to set myself apart as being someone that works really hard. And I know that if I work really hard... I'll have no regrets. So I have only myself to blame if I don't work hard.
1: Cool. This is awesome. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning into Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove one at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.